Welcome to the Premier League Forever Forest podcast. everyone and welcome to the uh, end of season episode of the forever forest podcast uh my name is ryan freebury freebs and all that business uh thank you so much to kieran for stepping in over the last uh, few weeks or month when i was trying to be an actor and being a bit of a pretentious dick um but yeah so it's it's all been crazy but uh so has the end of the season forest is safe uh i've been told to say by kieran waka waka um, which I'm sure is, yeah, it's made Lisa smile. There we go. Um, so today we've got a bit of a special for you, like we did at the end of last season after Wembley. We've got a special guest who's going to come and join us. Um, I'll play a bit of a clip of them doing their work before they come on just to embarrass them as because I know they go all red when you uh, play them their work. Uh, but before that, we have the uh, wonderful uh, end of season awards. It's really original. I'm sure no other podcasts do it, but we've asked you for a few uh, key sort of awards plus ones you may want to add yourself. And uh, we're going to go through those, talk a little bit about Crystal Palace. And uh, then, you know, by that time, it should be time for our guests. But who are the guests here? We have um, with a lovely Greyhound, uh, Café Greyhound, Uvert, uh, 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 Van Cat Heure, it says behind her. Um, it's uh, Holly Royal. Hi, Holly. I haven't seen you for ages, mate. How are you? It's been a while, hasn't it? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm drinking green tea. Um, trying to be, I've got Paddington Bear behind me, as you can see. I'm just living the dream. Um, how have you been? Have you been missing football? Do you know what I have? I feel like there's this gaping void in my life at the moment. You know where you're just looking forward to the next match, even though the ridiculous amount of jeopardy that's involved in it, um, you kind of, this weird sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say like Stockholm Syndrome, where you just want to be, <laughs> you just want to be disappointed and be full of anxiety waiting for the next weekend. Um, but no, I'm really, I'm really missing it already. I feel like there's, yeah, there's this weird... Weird thing, this weird thing missing from my life at the moment, but it'll be back underway soon enough, won't it? So. Oh, Nottingham Forest has been called many things through the years, but a weird thing is definitely about right. Um, I was going to say another weird thing, but I think she'd probably uh, <laughs> get her face. Hi, Lisa, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. Yeah, all good. Um, so, yeah, been crazy last few weeks and everything, like you say, with all things going on in life and God knows what, but Forest um, away at Palace, how was that? <laughs> it was... Um... It was a little bit mental. As long as we're not going to talk about the football, it was, you know, it was fine because I don't really remember much about that. But the, the yeah, just one of those away ends that will be talked about for years to come. Have you, do you know the, uh, can you do us a rendition of the song? <laughs> no, I can't. I think we should all do it. Mm. So I can't remember what the first word is. It's something like Tamara. Samina, Mina, A. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll do. Oh. There's also it. a Taiwo Awonyi song. Did you know that? Who? Taiwo. Taiwo what? What? Score a goal for me to the oh, heartbeat okay. tune. Awonyi. 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 There we go. We'll when go. we used to sing to Itokaranka, Itokaranka, keep take Forest up. And then now it's keep Forest up. So. Keep okay. Forest up. Okay, okay. So, yes. uh, Taiwo's yeah. This podcast has changed since I last did it. It's absolutely I was about to break away and start going, I've just heard a noise outside, and you might have picked it up on here because there's um people doing some roadworks and they've got one of these like um uh, it's like a little tiny like, like digger thing on the back of a van. And because it's obviously used for grass and stuff for the uh, local council, they've called it Jude Lawn. 
Uh, and I was about to say Jude Lawn has just arrived back outside my house and it would have made no sense, but I thought I'd just fill you in anyway. Talking about uh, lawns and things played on grass. Yes, got it back again. Okay. Um, season's over. Forest are looking towards the fixture list coming up uh, a few weeks, I think it is now. Um, Holly, who do you want first game of season? Oh, do you know what? I've never, th- I haven't thought about that at all, but um, let's go in easy. Let's start with um Everton. Where? Everton at home. Okay, so when we play Everton at Not home. Not Luton, basically. I don't want Luton. I don't want Burnley. I don't want City. Um, yeah, a nice easy fixture to start with, I think. It'd be nice. Lisa, what what easy fixture do you want in the Premier League for the first game? Um yeah. There are no easy fixtures in the Prem. What are we talking about? Oh, um home Sheffield United, that'd be a nice meaty one to start oh. with, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we're probably going to go through this with our special guests who we, what we think of the league next year. I, I definitely, I think I said to you the down the phone, Lisa. I think it's this season seemed harder seeing Norwich, Burnley, and who was the other one? I can never remember who the other one who went down. It was a team Watford. Watford. I thought them missing, plus you know, Fulham who proved to do well, Bournemouth, things like that coming up. I thought it was a harder league, and uh, I actually think next season should. You know, we've got a bit of experience of Luton and Sheffield United, haven't we? So. Um, and Burnley, what to expect from them? I don't know. It's not a Burnley podcast, otherwise I'd be saying things like, take a look in the book, and it'll be like that once it's come from the Northwest. Um, let's start off uh, with our awards. So we've got about, I don't know, about 15 minutes something for our special guest joins us. So we asked people for these various categories. And what I've done is I've kind of compiled the most votes for them and given that one the winner. And I'll ask you two if you vote any different to them. So uh, this is a bit where I should do like a little noise or something. Hold on, I can go up here. There you go. That's the uh, sound of an award being given out. So the uh, award for best player or player of the year uh, was unanimously. Uh, there was actually only four different people they voted for, which was uh, Renan Lodi, Ryan Yates. I've slept on it. I think he's the best player around. Uh, Felipe and the overall winner by absolute miles was Morgan Gibbs White. Uh, ladies, do you want to argue with any of that? No, no argument from me. Um, I think I think it's a little bit unjust that Brennan's not in there but I would have voted for Morgan yeah I think maybe Morgan being an attacker and Brennan being as well everyone's gone it's that one we've just you know that's why I think uh Holly you'd agree MGW absolutely um it's hard to argue against him really isn't it and I'm really excited for next season when hopefully we can play uh, the style of football that Steve Cooper really wants to play and really execute his uh his attributes. So yeah, more to come. Delighted. What a great season he's had. And those little snippets that we've heard from various sort of pods and media and stuff saying that he really, really wanted to come here and, you know, he just couldn't wait to sign for us. And, you know, he's just, it's just, he's exactly what you want, isn't he? He's just kind of fitted in really well. His partner's just um, announced he's having a baby. So they're obviously really comfortable in Nottingham as well, which I think is really nice. Um, so yeah, definitely 100%. I like it. Alice some Sheffield United fans going like, yeah, but, well, yeah, of course he's going to say bloody loves you. You're booing him when you played us. No, it's because we hate you. And we're going <laughs> to pig blades. Of course we're going to boo him if he's playing for Sheffield United. I mean, I don't mind Billy Sharp, but I'll boo him if he's playing for United. Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, I think there were spells, a few spells where I think his passing went a bit astray a few times. It cost us a couple of goals, I'd say. But I think we're a season where we've just survived, as it were, well, with a game left. So you're always going to have ups and downs. And do you know what? If that's him... Nowhere near the finished article yet. My God, what the man could be. He is the standout for me of the player that makes me feel like we've got one of them proper players who's definitely a step up from Eugene Daddy 
um, and Tony Vaughan. I'm trying to think of other names from the past. I was going to say Ben Olsen, but he was awesome. Um, look him up, kids. Google it. Um, ben Olsen. Um, best goal was the next one. Um, hold on. There you go on the piano. Uh, the best goal was a few. So Brennan's second against Leicester. Uh, Danilo versus Southampton. Uh, Dino, Danilo versus Brighton. Uh, Mangala versus Leeds. Um, Taiwo second again. See, I can say the surname better than the first name. A one of you. A one of you second against Southampton. But the winner was, of course, Chris Wood's team goal uh, against Manchester City with the most votes by quite a bit. Um, Holly, any uh, any different ones thrown on that? No, again, hard to argue. I would put in some late kind of runners up in uh, Brennan's volley against Leeds at home. I mm-hmm. thought it was brilliantly executed. And also... His um, goal was good as well. He's curled in on against yeah. the corner. was nice. Fantastic. Um, I mean, my, my personal favourite overall was the second against Leicester, um, especially because it was against Leicester as well. And it just his first touch was absolutely sublime. Finish even better. Um, but another quick shout out as well to uh, Dennis's goal against Newcastle at home. I thought he took yeah. that beautifully as well um, in a very difficult game. So shout out to him as well. Lisa? Yeah, again, hard to disagree. I think um, the the Man City goal was more about the build-up and the amount of passes that were in in the the lead-up to the goal um, and that every player touched the ball. And had that been City doing it rather than Forrest doing it, it would be all over the media. It would have won goal of the season, but it was little old Forrest. So, you know, we we don't matter. Look at the badge. We've, we've seen what happens. Um and ultimately, we stayed up by a point, and that point was absolutely vital to uh, to what we needed. So um, I'm quite happy that that one won. Um, but I, I also want to, you know, say that the, the goal that we scored against Crystal Palace, as soon as that ball left Gibbs White's foot, and it was, you know, you, you kind of knew that if Tyro was through it was going to result in what we wanted it to. And it was just the footwork from Taiwo that you didn't expect because he went this way, he went that way, he went back again. And then, you know, the, the angle that he he ended up scoring from was really, really tight. So that that goal in itself was was one that won't be won't be talked about too much because because of everything else that was going off off the pitch. Um but that was that in itself was just, it, and also the Taiwo non-goal against against Liverpool um mm. where he tried an audacious overhead kick having been out for three months and that was his first game back and you just think to have that confidence given the you know the fact that he, he didn't really hit all the, the 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 ground running at the start of the season you just thought yeah this is quite interesting I think so definitely I, I think I also kind of like Steve Cook's uh, ball in for him to score against Liverpool as well I thought it was beautiful uh, best match. Uh, so here we've got a, a winner, uh, but the runners up were Southampton at home, Liverpool at home, West Ham at home, Wolves in the EFL, uh, Liverpool away because Paul Buttery says, real name, nice, love that name, Buttery. Uh, it was the turning point, which I think a lot of us, uh, we might speak about more with our special guests as well, but uh, the winner was Arsenal at home uh, for best match. Uh, Lisa, any, anything to say against that? Um. No, not at all. It was it was probably the best match just simply because that was the game that we secured our premiership status for another season. Um, so, you know, first goal for me was always winning that game and we got it. Paul, I can agree or disagree? No, I totally agree. I mean, for atmosphere, for um, just the kind of the coming together, you know, we'd shown little glimpses, hadn't we, riding up to that point and 
you know, we got over the line and we did it. The resilience, um, yeah, it was a fantastic. I mean, it was absolutely incredible day, wasn't it? Wonderful. Sun was beaming. Yeah, perfect, perfect day. Perfect end to the well, season. I was very jealous I wasn't there at. So, uh, yeah, my two blinding games this season away at Brighton, nil-nil and losing home to Man United. Wicked. But I saw us play Bayern Munich in the quarters of the UEFA Cup. So, you can, like, it's just timing, isn't it? Um, best away ground. Um, Spurs, Liverpool. Uh, Grimsby, someone put ground, uh, Simon Crosby, the ground was good for Lou Chats, uh, but the winner by a mile was Palace. I think that's because most people are either pissed because I've been selling sparking. It's not that great. I mean, their fans are great. I think they're wonderful. And the thing for uh, Maxim was great um, that, you know, their TFO they did. So, again, just a yay or no, unless it's different. Uh, Lisa, best away ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's that for, it was my first, my first visit, and it's a, a proper old school ground. Um, and yeah, it was just phenomenal. Problem is, you've got to be near Croydon, though, isn't it? Holly, um, what about you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. Possibly one of my favourite away days of all time. It was just bonkers. Um, last time I was there, there was wooden seats. So that's how far they've come. In 1956. <laughs> <laughs> like being back I just went to see Symposium. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I just, I guess, turned up there and go, what's this chat about 90s? <laughs> C, C grade uh, India. I'm sorry, sorry, symposium. Um, best moment uh, award. Uh, it is uh, Cooper's contract. Someone said uh, Morgan Gibbs White to Danilo. The pass, the little flick, beating Liverpool. But the overall, by a mile, was full time against Arsenal in terms of a moment of the season. Lisa, do you have anything different on that one? Um, I think the the last ten minutes of Man City kind of equals what happened uh, against Arsenal. Um, and I also think the Muller Kintyre, I can't remember whether, I think it was Southampton, but it was, there was just one that we we literally lifted the roof and Cooper applauded it. And that for me was one that you just thought, you know, again, he, st- he gets it. He gets, he gets what, what it is to us and we get him and he gets us and it's a match made in heaven. Holly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally seeing the fist pumps after all that work they put in. I mean, it was it was brilliant, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. You, you feel like you earn them a lot more, don't you? So the fist pumps when you see them now, because you, you won't do them for draws and stuff or, you know, end of season probably. But it's like for the win, you know, we had quite a few wins last season. Didn't we? we saw quite a few of them. I think when you sort of uh, haven't seen something for a while, a la the Premier League for 23 years, you sort of appreciate it a little bit more when you actually do get those mighty Welsh fist pumps. Um so worst moment, uh, what I've got, I've got to move this thing on here. Worst moment, there was quite a few different ones, uh, but was there an overall winner? Yes, there was just. So worst moment was full-time against Bournemouth at home. Uh, Bournemouth's third goal, someone just put. Uh, Fulham at home, 1-0 up to three down in eight minutes from Glenn Hancock. Pretty grim. That's, that's, I was going to go to that. My dad went instead. He was, sorry, dad. Uh, Leeds or West Ham away. I think we'll agree when we probably come to that chatting with our guests that that was a low period, definitely. Um, Steve Cooper looking like he was saying goodbye at Leicester. But then again, that could have been a few games where I thought that was a bit... And Leeds. Yeah. Uh, Then this one is quite good. Brentford at home, Brentford away for very different reasons. VAR, definitely. Oh, we apologise, bit late. And away, obviously, thrown away. And that felt really painful at the time. Uh, And Nathan Waitman said Hendo's injury as well, which I think felt like a bad moment at the time. But the winner was uh, Leicester away. And the full time of that one, most people have said. But I'm going to come to it that that's also, in a weird way, not the worst moment because of a different reason. But uh, Holly, uh, worst moment of the season for you? That's a tough one for me because there was quite a few bad moments, wasn't yeah. there? 
um, it's like I was talking to my mate Colin and he said, oh, I really enjoyed this season. I said, it'd be more endure than enjoy, I think, for me. Um, Bournemouth at home, when we threw it away, and especially the fans having to sit near a whole load of Bournemouth fans cooing away on the train home, which was awful. Um, Brentford away, um, when we looked like for once we were a solid um, assured away team and we were going to get at least pick up a point um, and then we completely threw it away um, and Leicester away I mean yeah for everyone for all the obvious reasons that we just looked absolutely broken and that Steve Cooper was going to be out the door but um, I think I'm going to go for Bournemouth at home actually I'm going to disagree I just feel Do you think that was also because we're Forest fans right so we're never going to get that ahead of our station but we knew how important it was the home games against those teams that come up with us do you think that was the reason that because that really hurt me actually that one was the first one where I was really quite pissed off I was kind of going these are we're now going to have to do I don't know Arsenal and Liverpool at home yeah because I, mean? I think how painful that one yeah because I think with obviously Leicester was awful but there was an inevitability about it that they were desperate to beat us, weren't they, and get revenge for the previous season. And they absolutely hate us, um, obviously. Um, and we were playing particularly badly at the time. But Bournemouth at home, it looked like, you know, we're getting comfortable. We can do this Premier League malarkey, especially at home. What were we, 2-0 up at half-time, weren't we? I think it was. I remember um, going to my mate at half-time, like, right, OK, let's, you know, let's get another, let's just, just smash them, let's just get this job done pretty quickly. And I just couldn't believe I just couldn't believe what was happening. It just felt an absolute complete, especially as well from last season, the whole slight rivalry what they had with the whole um, the stand blowing over or whatever the hell happened, um, and then that game that we had against them where we could have gone second. There's that little rivalry thing going on. So yeah, um, I was I remember feeling absolutely gutted on the train to the point where I said to my mate, "Look, I'm just going to put my headphones in. I don't want to talk to." Him. <laughs> it's just one of those feelings that you remember for a long while. So yeah, I think I'd probably put Bournemouth at home for me. Lisa, uh, worst moment for you? Um, whilst Bournemouth at home was really painful, and I think for us, I think when we we did the pod afterwards, um, we were we were all really angry about what had actually happened that day. Um, I think for me, Leeds away went from being limbs in the away end to the most toxic away end I've been in in for quite a while. Um, and the little wave that we got from Coops at the end of the game. I mean, Forrest just did not put up a fight at all in that match. It was um, horrendous from start to finish, apart from Oromangala's goal. And for us to capitulate in the manner that we did and the little wave that you got, that for me was, this is, you know, Coops is gone. And where do we go from here? Because the only way from that point looked like it was back down to the championship and there was no getting out of it. No, I again, my stories for this season because of my lack of being able to get so, so many games are so random. When Mangala scored, I was stood in a car park outside of Holy Inn in Lyme Regis. And I was like, yeah, there we go. I was just so pleased. And then by the time I'd gone back inside, I told him a mistake. It was going wrong. I was like, oh my God, Forrest. And there's a grimness to what you're surrounded by, the whether you actually remember a game in that way. Uh, we have got some awards left to do, which are the ones where um, I've asked people to sending their own awards, um, which I'll go through in a minute. But um, my special guest has just arrived. So I'm going to do what we did at the end of last season by thoroughly embarrassing him by playing some of him doing his work. <laughs> See his face. There we go. Uh, because I, I think we asked that question before. He's like, what's he like listening to yourself? Oh, it's uh, it's not really something. I've got a bit red or something. So uh, uh, have a bit of this then. And as we get going again and he picks it up, we should have 20 seconds left. That should Just be all it is. Launch it in a corner. This has got to go as far away from the forest goal as it possibly can. 
because that should... Yes! The whistle goes! Wow! Forrest have beaten Arsenal, and Forrest will stay in the Premier League with a game to spare. The escape is complete, and Forrest will have another season of top-flight football next season. season especially here at the city ground you embarrassed enough colin are you okay <laughs> yeah thank you for that <laughs> yeah i just i remember that last year when we we're doing like forest or forest Premier League. Like, oh, God, man. you know it's just like it's nice but at the same time it can be a little bit i guess you, i do things like it if i've done songs where i think my voice is a bit high or very, you know you're obviously going to get excited and your voice is very different to how you speak to the moments of that so uh yeah is it settled in yet that all, all that craziness happened at the end of last season uh, well, I think so. Just about, yeah. I mean, it's um, it, it it took some it took some getting your head around actually that they did it with a game to spare. I've got to be honest. I mean, I I just I couldn't from a few games out, if I'm honest, I couldn't see any way that they were going to do it early. Um, and I thought we were all going to have to go through the torment of a last day and looking at everybody else's scores and trying to get something away at Palace. Um, and so to to kind of get it done before then is is just I mean the whole thing was again a bit like last year just a remarkable achievement I mean you know I'm sure you guys have been saying it before I've arrived but I, it's just it's such a story it's an incredible story to to go through what Forrest went through squad wise and the change in squad and the turnover of players and to knit the new squad together and then have half of that squad at times being on the injury list and not available and so you can never play your best eleven. And, and there's no sort of rhythm to the season because every time somebody gets in form, they get injured. To have all of that in your first season in 20-odd years in the Premier League and stay up with the game to spare is just, it's an extraordinary story. Um, and, you know, I mean, I just, I can't express my admiration enough for everybody involved in it. It was just a, an amazing story again. For two years in a row now, we've had these incredible stories and entirely different circumstances, of course, with both. But for me, almost, I think, what happened this year is a bigger achievement than what happened last season. Yeah, I, I, I was just thinking when you're saying that about people who were there for history or they witnessed that, and I know some people might think football is kind of unimportant compared to where you were, you know, when Churchill walked in here or things like this happened <laughs> at the end of the Second World War, but you've had uh, not a bad seat for two in a row. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to get rid of these uh, this final award section, Colin. You could probably throw one in yourself, why not? Uh, and then we'll come to sort of talking about a bit of the season and so there's been quite a few questions coming in from you from the guys on Twitter. So we've done all that kind of player of the season, all that business, and I know you have to talk to these people, so I don't really want you to have to pick a side. <laughs> Oh, what did you just whisper to me? Ryan Yates. Okay, that's, that's um, But yeah, so some of the awards people have put in is um, the best chance he's won more than you against City, Simon Crosby. Uh, thank you for that one. Uh, the best celebration award goes to Daniel over his pew pew guns. That's from Jonathan Eve. Uh, Paul Butter is back. Um, he says the award for best man for bringing people back early from injuries goes to Steve Cooper. Uh, congratulations on that one, Steve. Uh, Kapanosti says longest and loudest Radio Nottingham yes goes to Steve Hodge against Arsenal yeah no um, surprise there been a few of them um, uh, the best anthem goes to Waka Waka that's from NFC Washington DC and the slightly contentious one which I'll move on from afterwards the Harry Arter supporting the team award goes to John Joe Shelby that's from Nathan <laughs> Waitman um, we're fans it's gallows humour Cole what can I say Elisa did you have one to add to that one of your uh, your awards for the season 
I don't know, actually. Um, my award for the season has to be to the best-looking player in the team. Um, oh, she's obviously, Felipe. I have changed, Lisa. Come on. <laughs> oh, you know, so, but, but so the, thing, the thing is, my other half wrote something in The Athletic the other, the other day that, that said, along the lines of, my other half screensaver is uh, Felipe, and I would be angry if I hadn't actually thought about it myself. Colin, uh, thoughts well, on... I was just going to say, what about, the moment, what about the moment when his hair bun fell out? I can't remember where that was now, but the, <laughs> I, I just remember looking up and thinking, who's that come on as a sub? Yeah, <laughs> I thought the same. I thought it was, uh, we'd gone back to the days of Mikel Beck. I'm trying to think of long-haired Forest players. Ben Olsen, <laughs> well, Ben Olsen twice in this pod now. Uh, uh, Colin, could you could you muster up a quick award for, for any of those, uh, for, for the season? Um, oh, well, that's a good question. Um... I mean, I, I would go chance of the season, whacka whacka, because it's just like the anthem for this season and it's just a bit like Free From Desire last year. Um, I'd, I'd take that. Um, I would give every Forest supporter that's been at games this season an award um, for the way they've helped the team through. Um, I think I, I hate the, uh, the Reading thing where they do a 12th man on the team sheet, but 12th, 13th, 14th man this season. Um, have been the Forest fans, home and away. I think they've been brilliant away. And, and while they haven't had um, necessarily the effect they have at, at home games, um, I think the support throughout the season, and I know not everybody can get tickets, and and I would, you know, like Steve Cooper does quite often, remember the people who are supporting from home as well and are perhaps listening to the radio or watching on the telly and offering their support in just, a, you know, the same sort of way, the best they can, um, but in terms of the uh, the atmosphere that's created at the ground, you know, an award for everybody. It's it's just been phenomenal this season. Holly, do you have an award for anybody? Just to add to that, um, I would say my most wholesome moment was when um, Nico Williams scored against uh, Anfield against Liverpool because um, he had that really great little run of form, Hanty, and then um, he scores. Morgan Gibbs White goes over and gives him a, what looked like a kiss, which I thought was a very cheeky little wholesome moment. So my kisses. I think Collins had a few off Steve Cooper at the end of the season. He was calling me <laughs> him every, every two seconds I heard it, which I, I'm just only insanely jealous of, uh, Colin. That's why I'm bringing it up. Um, so this season and last season, I think there was a point last year where we were we were chatting post-Wembley and I was still a little bit kind of didn't really believe what had happened because I, I kind of said for the start and during the pre-season as well, I felt like we'd gone up by mistake. I know there was things inside the club, like with media and like, can we fit this in and where VAR going? And, you know, even a club as established as Forrest or we think we are, there was a lot to do in very little time. And then they decide to sign every player in the world. Now, obviously, <laughs> we we also got it from people, didn't we? Constantly saying, oh, you bought all them players, you should be okay. People forgetting how big a Premier League squad is, things like this. Uh, it felt, it feels different, this conversation this year, because I think I agree with you. It does feel like what we had to do, that that gulf, in the time since we've been away from the Premier League, is so much bigger since 23 years ago, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Huge. I mean, the, the it's hard to describe, really, the, the difference between the Premier League now and the Premier League 23 years ago and the infrastructure of the club and all of that sort of thing that, that needed sorting. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're kind of getting there, but I wouldn't say they're there yet. You know, that's how long it takes. Um, so the idea that it could all be done in the space of whatever it was, seven weeks last year from playoff final to... Um, the first day of the Premier League season. The idea that it could be done in that in that space of time was just fantasy world, really. Um, and I still think they're working at it now. But they're in a 
they're in so much better position now than they were a year ago because they've got the basis of what looks a very good mixture of youth and experience. I was going to say young, but not necessarily. I mean, there's you know there's people like Felipe in there as well. We, we, we're not going to forget Lisa. Um, <laughs> so um, there's there's a mixture in there. It's a good blend of of youth, of experience. Um, uh, some Premier League and top flight now now that wasn't there that, that needed putting in a year ago. There's so much there now that wasn't there a year ago. So they're in a much better position now to start a summer um, in preparation for another Premier League season than they were this time last year. Um, and, and I just, you know, just I, I can't stress it enough. I think the achievement of staying up against that backdrop. And it would have been the same for anybody. I mean, you know, you look at the the three clubs that have all stayed up this year. Bournemouth and Fulham have stayed up as well. So they've all had good seasons. But to an extent, those clubs had a bit more behind them because they've had a bit more top flight experience in recent seasons. Um, Forest have just been completely out of it and rarely looked like getting back in it um, for for 23 years. And I'll be quite honest with you, and I may well have said this um, last season when, when they were looking like they might go up, but it's always been a theory of mine, a thought of mine, that over those, you know, sort of from, you know, when you once you've been out for a decade, I think for, so for the for the next decade, my feeling has always been, if they go up, chances are they'll come back down and need to do that up down up bounce thing to get into the Premier League and then stay there, and that's what I, you know, so for for the last ten years or so, that's what I've been thinking, that's been in my mind, so. To actually get up and stay up in those circumstances, given everything that they had to deal with, is a phenomenal achievement. And, and you know, I'll say it again, I think it's better than the previous year. And I asked Steve Cooper, and I know he, he he wouldn't really answer it. He shied away from the from the word achievement because of Forest history. And I get why he did that as well. But I think the rest of us can say it. That was a terrific achievement this season. Um, and and obviously there's building to do and they want to be better next season and you take the next step and hopefully that next step is somewhere around mid-table and not having to worry too much about what's happening in the bottom three. But that's for next season. We're talking about the Europe, season. It's gone. Europe. It's all about Europe. It's all about Europe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe give it a couple of years. <laughs> that tilt. I remember coming, well, I don't remember coming from 77 and winning it straight away, you know, it's, 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 it's well. Um, we've had quite a few questions coming in. I'm going to try and group them together for you, Colin. And um, if someone hasn't put a normal name, I'm going to have to read out a full Twitter handle. Um, so one of them is Roscoe said, please ask him extensively. <laughs> I don't know how I do that. I've been asking you about one time, one time, one time, one time. Absolutely. <laughs> you <a> Nottingham highlight. <laughs> I think I know the answer is going to be, it was just the moment and you just gone with it. Yeah, it just was. I mean, it's never planned. Um, I, I think I've said that before. I never never ever plan to do anything but it was just such a such a good move i think actually if you look back at the video i think danilo actually had three touches so i don't think it was one time from danilo but you know everybody else was first time touch or one time touch so um just as i was kind of going over the goal again in my head i thought one time that was one time one time one time so it it probably wasn't actually completely accurate it was probably one time three time one time one time um, <laughs> I thought you joined the Fuji. It sounded quite as good. I, 
thought you were just dropping some killing me softly from 96 at one point. <laughs> one time, I, thought, I very nearly put it over a clip. I couldn't do that. Too, right? um, but also, I think you said before when you are on with us, it's, you never, you can never prep these things. I know you no. said that maybe some people do. Uh, do you ever do the reverse though, where you look back and go, oh, that would have been a, or do you just park it? Is it like when someone's done a film, they don't watch the film? Or, I mean, you, you tend to from what you're saying. Yeah, that, I mean, sometimes there are things that, usually that's to do with facts that usually I kind of think, ah, oh, that would have been, I, I wish I'd dropped that one in. Um, so not so much to do with goal commentary necessarily, because normally that sort of comes a bit later. That's not the time when you drop in facts in. But there are some times when you think, oh, you know, there are even times when I've, and this is probably where I'm a master of my own downfall, because I don't write stuff down enough. Mm. Um, you know, I'll have spent an hour researching something in a week, and then the thing that I've been researching for happens. And I still forget to say it. And that's it. so there are there are those kind of occasions where I, I wish I'd said that. Why didn't I say that? I even looked it up and I still didn't say it. So one or two of those. Yeah. But to be fair, I mean, you, you should be realizing by now your goal. So whatever you say for a goal doesn't matter because you can have Steve Hodge going. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. I've started I've started to delay a little bit because I just let him have his couple of seconds of yes. And then I then I'll come in again. Oh mate, it's brilliant. it's so uh, it's almost like a modern version of those things fancy football used to play of like those Colombian commentators going, Oh, he's <laughs> just become one of them, but not <laughs> Um, I'm trying to put these together. I don't think we asked you this last time, and it's more to do, it's a good place to sort of start in some ways. Thomas Newton asked, um, Colin, please give us an insight into your normal working commentary day for an away game. Who drives? When does preparation for the game start? Or if you've done the prep, <laughs> you were saying to be there for it. Did you say it? Uh, type of food you've been accustomed to at away grounds in the Premier League this season. Any logistical problems encountered this season? So it's basically like a story of Mr. Bean in a way. <laughs> so what problems have gone wrong for you, Colin, on the road? And uh, yeah, what, yeah. who drives? What's the, what's the general setup before an away game? Uh, so general setup is, uh, depending where we are and um, and how far away it is, obviously, um, we would. There are very few, unless there's a twelve thirty kickoff. There are very few occasions where we go the day before. Um, so generally, it's uh, it's an early start. Usually, meet at whoever's house is closest to the direction we're going, um, and who and and who's ever uh, whose ever house it is has taken the work car to their house the previous day. Um, so we just to save a little bit of time in the morning, really, rather than all going into the BBC and then heading off. Um, driving is, depending on the duration of the travel, usually split. So either somebody will drive all the way and then uh, Dave or I will, will drive back, Dave Jackson or I will drive back, or we'll split it halfway. We, we tend not to ask the summarisers to drive because Hodgie's too busy gargling with his TCP in the backseat anyway. Um, so we, it's it's just shared between me and Dave basically, and if it's a really long journey, we'll have a we'll have a swap both ways, um, halfway down and and halfway back. Um, usually arrive at the ground. Well, in terms of prep, that tends to start whenever I can during the week, um, and just fit it in around the day job and um, the other stuff that that needs doing around the office and podcasts and um, programs on Friday night and stuff like that. So. That will usually start on a Wednesday, perhaps, and just drop in a couple of hours here, a couple of hours there. Um, and then, uh, so when we get to the ground, we tend to try and arrive around about half past 12 and build in an hour in case there's any sort of traffic issues, which thankfully I think this season it hasn't been. I don't think we've ever really been too panicked this season. Uh, there was It was heavy getting to West Ham. This year, West Ham was was quite. Was West Ham where we shared the car park? Yes, that's right. Yeah, 
when you say car park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was where we looked like we were breaking in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pleased you got there first. Colin, some of Lisa's stories from the past about growing up, I wouldn't be surprised if she was breaking in. But anyway, continue. Sorry, <laughs> Um, so we tend to try and arrive about half past 12. Then if there is any traffic issues, that gives us an hour and it's still only half past one and we've got half an hour to get in and set up. Um, but if we're there for half past 12, um, maybe sometimes a little bit earlier, somewhere around between three and two and a half hours before kickoff. Gates for us usually open about three hours before, so we can normally get in three hours before kickoff. Um, and then set up, make sure the kit's working, make sure the line to Nottingham's working, then probably go downstairs, uh, get a little bit of food in the press room, and then come back and start talking to people at, in the studio at base about what's going to be happening in the programme, what we've got coming up, where, what we need to do, when, that sort of stuff, and then get ready to go on air at, uh, at two o'clock. So uh, there, there tends to be, by the time you've got in and you've got your bearings and you've got yourself up to the press box and you've set up and you you know I have to chat about to various people about how to get downstairs afterwards and work out access and whether I need a special pass and all that sort of stuff so there's a, you know there's a fair amount that goes on there's not an awful lot of free time but there is usually 20 minutes or so to to sample the uh the home team's cuisine yeah. which has been uh, a bit of a step up this year, I've got to be honest. I say, surely Tottenham just put like some pill in your mouth and it all turned into a steak or something because they're so futuristic. <laughs> Tottenham, Tottenham was a roast dinner. <laughs> it was. It was roast lamb and all the trimmings and it was very good too. Um, Spurs was very good. There have been some there have been, been some very nice places to go to this season, let's, let's be honest. Um, the Spurs Stadium was by far and away the, the best. Um, that's just an extraordinary place. It's the first time I'd been um that was great west ham stadium wasn't um that just to oh, me is a football stadium and you know if anybody's a west ham fan then you know i, I apologize if i'm offending anybody but um you know it just it didn't feel like a football stadium at all to me it's so far away from the pitch for a start um so uh yeah there's been some some mixed places i'll tell you one that did surprise me a little bit i'll tell you two that surprised me two things that have surprised me about this season one is a good one and one is a bad one one i'll be disappointed to not have to go to southampton next year that comes as a surprise that i'm saying that because that's a long way um but southampton were excellent they were very hospitable the food was excellent um really easy access to get downstairs afterwards couldn't couldn't do anything more to help you, um, which you know, as 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 uh, away press is is kind of what you want really. All too often, and not so much in the Premier League, but at lower level, all too often there are people who seem to thrive on obstructing rather than helping. United. Sorry, I just I'm just going for a rival <laughs> that I don't like. Sorry, Colin. <laughs> Sorry, who did you say? Sheffield United. Sorry. You're oh, gonna... right, okay. <laughs> They've actually always been all right. I'm sorry oh, to say. Uh, sorry, sorry to ruin that for you. Um, so, so Southampton were excellent, and I'll be disappointed. They did a lovely beef curry. They were a fantastic curry. This is the future, Colin. When you retire, it's the foods of the football. <laughs> foods of the football world. Yeah, that'll be it. Um, and and the one thing that really disappointed me this year was that it, you know it's obviously been twenty odd years since since I've covered the Premier League, and I kind of thought that there were there were a couple of grounds that were awful to work in in those days when you go back to 98, 99 and the, the few seasons that I had in the top flight way back. Mm. 
Um, and there were a couple of grounds that were dreadful to work in. One of them was White Hart Lane, but obviously that's now changed and that's completely different. Um, another was Manchester United, another was Everton. Um, and I almost it, there was almost a rule from those days that went the bigger the club, the worse the facilities and the worse the working conditions. So I've kind of had 23 years away from that now and thought it's got to change. It must have changed. No, and you must go to Old Trafford twice this year, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Old Trafford was awful Everton I have some sympathy for I hadn't changed much in terms of the press box at all from when we were there last, very small um, but with Everton you have a little bit of sympathy, obviously they're not going to spend a load of money doing that when they're on the verge of a new stadium and obviously the new stadium is going to be better so I've got you know that that's kind of one thing how on earth Manchester United have had so many years of European football and European journalists turning up and and then have the facility to work in at Manchester United's press box. I find it extraordinary. I find it absolutely space, extraordinary. Like not enough space, you think? Yeah, it's just entirely cramped. It, it's, it's crazily cramped to the point that you literally cannot move. I mean, Dave Jackson sat through a League Cup semi-final with all of our kit on his knee because right. the desk isn't big enough. And and so he can't move. He literally can't move because which which game was first? The league game was first, wasn't it? Yeah, the league game was first just after Christmas because we've got with the best will in the world. We had Steve Sutton as a summariser. Now Steve's a big bloke. He's a goalkeeper, right? He's he's he is he's pretty tall, and he's squeezed himself into these tiny seats, and then he can't move. And unfortunately, at one stage, he's moved his leg, and he's knocked the lead out. Now, he hasn't knocked the lead out. All he's done is he's slightly nudged the lead. Off goes the line. Then, of course, you've got to try somehow with three of you sat across three seats that are tiny with no room to move to get underneath to sort out your lead and try and replug and make sure everything works again. Impossible. It's just impossible to work in. Um, and they are like so many clubs. And this isn't just restricted. Uh, sorry, I'm on, I'm on my soapbox a little bit. Oh, no, we, we've got, got a, a menu coming up and the problems with uh, these big clubs. Go on, I like it's, it. It's that they, uh, one of the things that they do at Old Trafford is indicative of so many clubs and why they do it, I do not understand. But basically, so many clubs across all levels, and obviously the lower down you get, there's not a lot of choice. There's not, you know, they're not big press boxes. But at clubs where there is a choice, where there is a big press box, why clubs insist on cramming seven broadcasters together in seven adjacent seats next to each other with no room for kit, and so they're all talking across each other, when written journalists across the way have two or three seats each between them, I don't know. I do not get it. And there are so many clubs that do it. It is just what, what goes through their minds. Why would you cram a load of broadcasters together so they can all hear each other on everybody's broadcast? It just makes sense. Do, do you have any thoughts? Sorry, on I'm getting right carried away. No, no that's fine. Because this should be happy. No, it will be. We've just gone. <laughs> and I want to know, Lisa, do you find that the, the written press are pampered in any way? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Not Tell listening to the miserable the kids I live with, no. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I just thought I'd throw her in the fact. Uh, Holly, I'm going to come to... 
I'm going to come to a question in a minute about um, Stamford Bridge prawn sandwiches and tepid League One pies, uh, which uh, was already there. But I think Colin sort of answered it. So, Jay, that was from you, which was better. Because a lot of people will say, you know, you, you've seen oh, so many different grounds for supporting Forest, especially on their adventures in League One and God knows where else, Accrington. Adventures, that's one word for it, yeah. Oh, yeah, I will never get those years back. Thanks, <laughs> uh, thanks team. Um, but, you know, there is a – people have – there was a point this season where my, my other half's a Chelsea fan and we, 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 I think it was when we're starting to not be that great just before the World Cup and I was going, oh, I'm just a bit sick of this. Or It was VAR at Wolves. That's what did it. That's the point where if they give this, I'm going to go mad. And I'm not one of those that walks away. Even losing to City, I was watching it and I was going, I have to stick with it. I have to because it's what's ingrained in me. It's the up and the down, you know? And I just said, I hate this league. And she went, it's just because you're losing. And she's, you know, she's a fair football fan. And I just went, well, it's not. It's just... I miss, I'm looking at the league the other day and seeing how Birmingham were doing. And I thought, that's that's where I'm from. And that's the league I'm used to. And I didn't like the way the media was involved and everyone's going, oh, 30 signings and they're going down and Cooper's out his depth. And it's just so many opinions in this bloody league because it's such a massive league that I think I was just used to what I consider the, the hip under league, which is the championship, which is a great league. And I thought I'd found my level there as a fan. I don't know if you felt anything like that as a... There's a couple of things there. I think the first thing I'd say is that the, the Premier League, having had a season in it now, is exhausting. It absolutely is. It's just draining because, like you say, it never ends. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody thinks they know best. Um, and then, obviously, on social media, that opinion is taken as fact and stuff gets bandied around that's fact that is absolute nonsense. And and it's just it, it's constant. Uh, what I would say, just as a quick aside is that one of the things I've thoroughly enjoyed about Forrest staying up is rubbing it in the faces of all of those who said they'd be down by Christmas. Um, and there were a few of those who were writing Forrest off very early, stupidly early. Um, and uh, and I hope there's some humble pie being eaten around the country in various uh, pundits' homes. Um, so, uh, so, so that's one thing. The other thing I'd say is that um, in terms of the the step up and and what you've not got now and not being in the championship anymore. Another thing that I have kind of thought over the, well, certainly the last decade or so while Forrest have been out of the top flight is that actually the Premier League is a bit fantasy footballish and actually the real English football is in the championship. That's, that's where the nitty gritty is at. And actually, you know what? We're all right in the championship and it's fine. They can have that big Premier League thing and they can all be on match of the day. But we're here. That kind of thing that you were just saying, really, that it's kind of like feels normal to be in the championship. Having had a season in the Premier League and now looking at how much I completely ignored the championship last season. <laughs> I've changed my mind. The Premier League is where it's at. It absolutely is where it's at. And yes, it's exhausting. And yes, there's all the scrutiny and all the rest of it. But the football that you're watching, not, not only from Forest, and at, at times it's been great watching Forest. At other times it hasn't. But when you look at the kind of quality of player that Forest fans are now able to watch, either at the city ground for their own team, at the city ground as visitors, on the road, around the country, wherever it may be, the football is just... It, and it obviously is a different level because it is a different level, but it just is. It's just, at times it feels like a different sport. I remember the opening day at Newcastle and just watching the speed with which Newcastle were playing and Forrest stood there going, uh, uh, what's who's, this all about? Who's, who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, 
it was just like, oh, wow, this is going to take some getting used to. And it obviously did for Forrest. It took some getting used to, but they got there in the end and now they're holding their own and then they held their own and then they've managed to stay up. And as I say, they're in a much better position to have a go at it next year. But I wouldn't, two things. First of all, I, I would I would not now look at the championship and call it, <laughs> that's proper English football. Um, second of all, I wouldn't really like to be in the championship next season because that looks like an absolute bun fight with some of the clubs that are in there now. Um, so uh, for all sorts of reasons, Forrest are well off out of that. I mean, there's none of them listening, but just in case anyone from Derby is, I'd hate to be in League One as well. Um, Holly, <laughs> um, meow. Um, Holly, over to you. You've got a question. Um, yeah, so I want to know what has been the most difficult post-match interview you've had to do this season, particularly with a player I'm quite interested in. Uh, with a player, well, um, to be honest, Holly, the players are not really offered to us if it's been a bad day. Um, that's one of the uh, one of the, the downsides that I found being in the Premier League compared to the Championship. Player access is nowhere near as good for for us as as locals, um, and unless Forest have won or drawn, then the players are kept away from microphones. Uh, so, to be honest, player-wise, I've not really had to do a difficult post-match interview. Um, and, and to be honest, pre-match interviews have been, until sort of close to the end of the season when it got a bit better, they were kind of quite rare as well. I mean, it, we went through an entire summer of signing 30 players last year. And, well, no, it wasn't 30 in the, in the summer, was it? It was 23 in the summer, I think. Um, and And none of them were made available interview so it's it's kind of a it's a different world again in in the premier league um for broadcasters as well it kind of takes them getting used to um so the answer is no real difficult post-match interviews with players because if it was difficult then they're, they're not put up for interview um uh with steve cooper probably leads um, yeah. did you away. think he was gone there colin in a way did you feel that was it must have been kind, of thought, kind of thought he might be um, I'd seen the wave to the fans at the end that Lisa was talking about earlier. Um, it was obviously under massive pressure anyway. It felt like a must-win game. It turned out that it wasn't, um, but it felt like a must-win game. Um, and I, I, I just thought, from from Steve's demeanour as well, a little bit, I kind of thought maybe maybe the the writing's on the wall. Um, but then, of course, the, the following day we were, you know, we we got the for the second time in the season, pretty surprising news. Um, but I think that was that one was difficult. The other one that was difficult was was Brentford, Brentford away late on because he, he was almost shell shocked. He was a bit shell shocked by what had happened at Brentford. Um, and now, all of that said, I've never found any interview with Steve difficult because he's such a good talker and he's so good to talk to and he's happy to answer any question that you put at him. Um, so uh, when I say difficult, I mean, it's obviously the subject matter is tricky because of what's happening and, and the situation and all the rest of it. But he's been brilliant throughout again um, in the way he's handled himself and the way he's answered every question that's been put to him. But at Brentford, I thought he was... That he looked, he was just shell shocked, and and again, I, I just kind of come away from Brentford thinking, not sure of a way out from here. 
obviously they found it because you know he's a he's a bit of a football genius and he's he's managed to find a way through it. Um, so that so there were a couple. Um, I suppose you think back at to to the game at Leicester, for instance, and and the pressure was really on then. But in terms of it being a difficult interview, I wouldn't necessarily say so then because again I go back to something I said earlier. We were talking about the fans that night because they were so good and so supportive of uh, of both the team and of Steve Cooper himself that although he was under massive pressure or felt under massive pressure, I mean there was a three year contract just up just around the corner for him, but he felt under massive pressure at the time. But everything still felt as if everybody was right behind him. So there was no, uh, you know, there, there were still positive things to talk about even in the wake of a four nil defeat. So. Um, in a way, this season's been a bit funny for that. It's, it's been a bit weird for that. Um, and obviously the decisions that have been taken have all been the right ones in the end because they've been proved right and he's kept them up and with a game to spare and all the rest of it. So um, there have been some tricky moments and undoubtedly there was, you know, during the run of, was it 11 without a win before they beat Brighton? From February the 9th, I remember. From, from Leeds at home to Brighton at home. Um, there were some... There were some times there where the job itself felt difficult mm. because it is it's it's a diff, it's a far far more difficult job when the team's not winning than it was last season, for instance, when they were going and stuffing everybody five four and five and three and whatever it was. Um, then it's a it's a far more straightforward job really um, because everybody's happy and you've got only positive things to talk about. Um, there were times during the course of that eleven game run that. It was difficult, um, and uh, you know to go back. There's a very long-winded answer to go all the way back to uh, probably the leads away um, as, as being the most difficult. It's, it's someone's asked a question about um, it's Kapanosti again, saying how do you balance the need to ask tough questions with you know obviously you access to head coach and the club generally. And, and, and I was adding to that as well that there must be some managers who, and I'm, I am not expecting you to say this, and I, I would never expect a man of your professionalism to do so, who you've gone, I hope I don't have to interview you again uh, over the time. And there's one <laughs> where you go, oh my God, I didn't get to see them again, or maybe you do. You quite clearly do have a, as, as much as you can in your job to hear a very good relationship with Steve Cooper, which is probably to do with both of you as people, who you both are. And I've heard people say you could meet him in the street and he'd talk football with you, or, mm. you know, it's just, I said it the other day on the, on the radio when we were chatting, me and Lisa, about it's just people want to see good people do well. And yeah. it's just very evident. You can't fake that for two years of what we've seen of him, that that is a man who deeply cares about this club, what it means to his family, as he said, in interviews and stuff. So it must be a time where sometimes you just almost do want to go, the person that you are, to go, you're right, mate. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. you know, when you have got him at the end saying, I love you, Carl, and stuff like that, it just honestly, yeah. it's just what Forrest are breaking the mould in lots of ways. They're almost going old school with what they're doing, keeping the manager, which is, is a good thing. Yeah. But also, yeah. I wonder sometimes if the fans are so behind it because it's we realise what we've got here. We really have got some. We've got some. What is it? Four seasons as a manager. It's yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I'm not asking I mean, you to write in the love letter, but at the same time, it <laughs> in some ways be difficult for you when it is hard because of you know the relationship you two have built up. Yeah. Um, uh, there, is a, there is a balance. There's a balance there to be objective. Um, and again, I'd say about Steve that he's he's happy to answer pretty much all questions well you know I, I go back to that 11 game run and and it's always the same as soon as the team hits a little bit of a bump um and social media gets more vociferous and 
the person who's asking the questions starts to get stick just as much as the person who's the <laughs> answering the questions. So um, that kind of I kind of got a little bit used to that. But as soon as because because what I won't do is what a lot of supporters on social media want me to do, which is to go and shout and scream at the manager and tell him he should get the sack. Um, and I'll never do that in any in any circumstance um, because that's not my position to do. Um, and uh, you know there there are ways to go about it. There are ways to um, get to how a manager is thinking, uh, even in difficult times. So quite often with Steve during that run, my way was to talk about how he's going to get them going for the next game and how you lift them ahead of the next game uh, because it would be interesting to see his response. While everybody might think there won't be a next game, let's see what his response is to that. Um, uh, and that's so, so there are ways to, to kind of go about it, which maintain your professionalism and your integrity, um, but also answer many of the questions, not all of them, because, you know, again, I, there are so many, when the team's in a bad run of form, everything's wrong as you know as far as some supporters are concerned on social media everything's wrong and i could do a half an hour interview and there'd still be people screaming well why didn't you ask him that why didn't you ask him that i want you to ask him that and you didn't ask him that and you kind of have to just you know it's just it happens it's just one of those things um uh, you know there the were people shouting and screaming at me for not uh, where was it it was at west ham where he made the change and he uh, ironically took off John Joe Shelby, <laughs> given what's happened since. But ironically, he took off John Joe Shelby and he was getting a lot of stick for taking off John Joe Shelby and putting Andre Ayew on, changing the shape. And it was still nil-nil at the time. And, and there was a feeling that Forrest were just getting on top in the game. And I got all sorts of stick for not asking him why he'd done that. But actually, I did ask him why he'd done that. But what I didn't do was shout at him for doing it. Um, and that I think is is quite a that's a that's a difference between what some supporters want me to do and what I'm always going to do. Um, and I did ask him, and he said we only were going to get half, and we were only going to get an hour out of John Joe Shelby. I had to make the change, and it felt like this was the way to go and win the game at nil nil at the time. We're getting on top. I wanted to do this, and but and so he's answered it. Now there's no point in me then banging on about him. Well, you got it wrong, didn't you? What? what how, how does that help? You know, so. Um, there's ways to go about asking the right questions at the right time while maintaining your integrity. And obviously, uh, you know, it, like I say, even with managers, I don't like it. It's not my position to go and shout at them for doing stuff wrong because none of them are doing it wrong on purpose. However difficult the the, uh, the scenarios are and the, and the difficulties are. So, yeah, there's sometimes there's a fine balance. But there are some managers, quite rightly, that it's more difficult to do it with um, because of their attitudes and their demeanours. Um, and you're right, I'm not going to go into any details here of exactly who I'm talking about. Um, we can imagine, Colin. We're going to play them all back and go, I remember the time. <laughs> but Steve has been great to deal with throughout um, across the the two years that, that he's been there. So well, almost two years that he's been there so far. Um, and... Um, you know, it's it's good to have that kind of that relationship where I think he 
you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't want to speak for him, but I think he knows that whatever I ask him, there's a good reason for it. You know, however, even if it may be negative or whatever, he'll know. He knows enough about me by now to know that I'm not going to be out on a witch hunt. Because no. that's not, you know, that's. He's, I'll say it again. That's not my job. He's he's honest as well. I think as, as a fan, we want uh, we want your managers and people to be honest. I mean, yeah. Time when we had Dane on last season, and people give us a bit of dogs abuse for why didn't you ask him when are we signing Jed Spence and stuff? Because he's a professional CEO of a quite big football club. He's not going to tell me and tell Dan. Oh yeah, we're going to sign him on uh, Tuesday the third. <laughs> It comes a point where you go, guys, just get real for a minute. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, whether you did journalism at school or whatever you've done, just think about it for a minute. Who is actually going to give you that information? So that's where I think, um, you know, social media gives voices and stuff like that, which don't always need to be there. But um, I was about to say, talking of voices, <laughs> I was going to say, Lisa, come on, Lisa. you got a question. I'm just a little bit in awe of obviously talking to Colin. I've seen him um, a few times over the course of the season and we've had little chats and stuff as to what's gone on and and. Um, what we've seen at, at games. I mean, West Ham was one of them where we we kind of 60 minutes, we looked quite comfortable after that. We imploded and, and everything kind of went to shit. Um, but is there any ever a time where the words coming out of your mouth don't actually equal what's actually going off in your head? It's crossed my mind a few times that to do a swearing commentary might be quite funny. Get it out. The alternative version would be quite Might be quite fun. And I'm probably going back to League One days <laughs> when it would really have been fun. Chester in the FA Cup getting beat 3 0. That would have been a prime contender for one of those. Um, I mean, I suppose uh, I, I, would, I would probably say yes, Lisa, to be honest. If, if there's, I mean, not in terms of telling a lie I would you know I don't do that I, I I don't sugarcoat if it's bad I'll say it's bad if it's good I'll say it's good I, you know I, there's I, I tell the truth and and always do um but I suppose there are times when something's going through my mind that I'd better not say on the radio <laughs> I'll never be on the radio again if I say it <laughs> and I'd be lying if I said that had never happened over the last however many years it is um Less so this year, I think. Um, you know, it, it, it was it was pretty obvious, wasn't it, with Forest what was what their problems were this season, um, and it was obvious that it was going to be a right old battle and a scrap to stay in. So, the fact that over the last few games they found that battle and scrap um, uh, was, you know, thankfully has has done enough to get them over the line. So, I, I'm not sure there was anything really this year, other than replacing swear words in my head with proper words that I'm allowed to use on the radio. So the other question that I've got for you then is, and, and it's something that we've discussed before, what do you think changed in the course? I mean, we went that 11 game run without a win. Yeah. Um, what do you think changed? Because there was a, there was a point where, you know, we, we played Leeds and we were, we were just so defeated and our body language was just, nah, this isn't happening. And then from that moment on, yeah, from then on they were okay, weren't they? Um, actually, from <clears throat> Liverpool, I think the game they lost at Liverpool. I, I think somehow uh, they um, they managed to take so much out of a game they lost um, at Liverpool. And um, Steve Sutton was talking about the Manchester City game, 
at the Crystal Palace game. We were looking back on the season and, and he was talking about the Manchester City game at the City ground and how the equaliser that they scored then probably gave them a lot of belief that they, you know, so so previous to that and sometimes after that as well, to be fair, but a lot of times previous to that, they concede one and it leads to two, three, four. And then against Manchester City, they only conceded one and they're in the game and suddenly they start playing and then they get a goal and it's and they they can hold Manchester City. Manchester City, for God's sake, they can hold Manchester City. So his thought was that that point has given them a lot of belief when the going gets tough later on. Now, they haven't always manifested. It's that belief hasn't manifested itself in performances. Um, but when the chips have been really down... I think they've perhaps fallen back a little bit on that Manchester City game, on the way they played at Liverpool, even though they got nothing out of it. They got nothing out of it because they just had a day where they decided not to bother de defending set pieces, which is just like, could have won at Liverpool, could have won at Liverpool, for goodness sake. Um, so, won. Well, well, quite, you know, the way, and the way they had a go. And I, and I just thought, I, I think, I think it's a number of things. I think it's players coming into form. I think Danilo coming to terms with the Premier League and, and really getting going um, is one thing in midfield. I think getting Yates back was massive in midfield. Um, I think Morgan Gibbs-White's form towards the end of the season, and I know he'd done it through the season as well, but he had a little bit of a dip and he came good again at the end of the season. And you suddenly had players. Nico is another one who, of course, had that run of form and then got injured, unfortunately. He's another one. Tywell Wanyi coming back at the end of the season and finding form. And suddenly you had a group of players who had some belief, but they also had players who suddenly were getting into form and then not getting injured and being able to stay in form for three or four games. And that's kind of all it took. And you look at the points return over the last half dozen games, it's 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 right up. Six form, top six form, I think they were for us. Yeah, when the pressure was on because they had players coming into form. Uh, so I think it's a combination of things. I think it's getting the right players back from injury. I think it's having belief. I think it's finding a way to play, which I would say I think they found earlier in the season, but then Taiwo won, you got injured. Because I think at around about the time that Taiwo got injured after he scored against Southampton, he was really starting to, and again, they weren't winning every game, but he was really starting to be a threat to defences. He was he was a handful. They were having to wrestle him off the ball and he was holding it up and he was being powerful. He was using his strength. Hadn't scored goals up until that point, not not in the way he did at the end of the season. Um, so I think they were getting there when they when they lost players at, at inopportune times. Yates going out, uh, a one-year going out. Um, and then, so they've got those players back just when it mattered and they've kind of refound what they were getting towards at around about the halfway point. Um, so I think combination of all of those, but most of all, oh, maybe not most of all, one other thing to say is the fans. They had the fans and nobody else down there did until pretty much last day when Everton suddenly started to you know make a noise. Um, but I think through the season, the Forest fans, as I said earlier, got Forrest over the line a few times, including against Brighton on that massive night, 1-0 down. Fans grabbed Forrest by the scruff of the neck that night and dragged them to a win. Um, and that is what I was going to come on to saying, the biggest thing of all, 
is unity and togetherness. And I know Steve Cooper has preached it all season long, but I think they had it. I think they finally got it. They got that team spirit. The team spirit that was there almost like that last season took a while to get to this season. But I think over those last half dozen, seven games of the season, we really saw that. So a combination of that plus players in form, plus players coming back from injury, I think that's what's finally made it click. And I guess what I'm saying there is, if those injuries hadn't happened, I think pro probably Forrest would have been safer earlier. I, I think if they'd had a full squad to choose from all season, they would probably have had a lot more points than they ended up with. Because what did Southampton went down on? Was it 28 and then was it something like that? I mean, it wasn't, like that. I mean, that I remember when we went down in 92, 93 under Cloughy and we went down on 40. And I know it was different numbers in the league, but everyone was 40 as a thing, don't they? I think, yeah. I think this season remembered for a lot of things to say. And it's quite funny how compared to maybe if we look back on, on last season, how the football is one of the things we probably not spoke about as much because generally, especially when you finish 16th, been in a bit of a dogfight, yeah. not many wins. You know, like Steve said, I think to you at the end of the season, I knew this season I probably wouldn't be seeing as many wins. You know, I knew that would be, be a test for me as a manager and stuff like that. But the thing that ultimately makes me really proud, and I mean, watched this club since 89, something like that is that in this big, massive, shiny league that we're in, that everyone from Botswana to Brazil's got an opinion on, we are seen as real fans, almost a throwback, like I say, with the displays from Forza, the, the scarves, the colours, the songs. And I think a lot of that is geographical as much as anything. I, I always take the mick out whether Alpha Chelsea saying you've got no support because it's like going to watch fans from the opera seeing you. It's a ticket to go and see Chelsea, you know? You've almost lost a bit of the soul of what that club is, whereas Lisa will be sat next to her sister and it's more of a community where Nottingham's based. But also we've got, we've believed in a manager where, well, we, the fans definitely have had a big say in that. I'm sure we all know that as well. But it's, it feels like Forrest are almost the Robin Hood good guys in some way. We started off this season as being them pesky guys in the trees, nicking all these, you know, bows and arrows at all these players. But we've ultimately come out as almost like people's team that they don't mind, unless you're from Leicester or Derby, I guess. But have you felt that during the season? I don't know whether people at grounds were a certain way to you. Or, oh, I've heard a lot of it down south. Oh, Forrest. Oh, great. I'm really glad you stayed up. I've heard a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard a fair bit of that. I, I, what I will say is that from a fairly early stage, People whose opinions I respect, um, who I probably haven't seen on the circuit for a long time because they've been involved in Premier League and not Championship, but people whose opinions I uh, respect have kind of said from quite early that they think Forrest will be all right, mm. you know, as opposed to the, uh, the the pundits who have taken the easy way out and given their opinion that you'll never do anything with 30 new players and look at all the money they've spent and they're going down, they're doing a full and they're going to go straight back down. Rather than taking that easy route, they've kind of thought, Do you know what, actually, if with the manager they've got and the squad they've put together, they'd probably be OK. Um, so it certainly wasn't everybody that was writing Forrest off. Uh, and there was a lot of goodwill towards Forrest being back in the, in the Premier League. Um, and the thing that I'm really pleased about most of all is the recognition that the city ground atmosphere is getting. Um, from 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 nationally you know i mean obviously we we've highlighted it locally for a for a while and last season it was brilliant in the championship and for those cup ties um and i think in those cup ties last year that's where it first kind of came into the 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 national um uh, the the national feeling if you like that they they kind of had a bit of a taste of that because they were you know the big games were on the telly weren't they um so i think 
you know, the idea that you've now got national journalists and and ex-players, actually. Um, uh, so former players, um, not only of Forest, but of other clubs that come to the city ground and do their work. Um, and also quite a lot of opposition fans who, after the game, are giving credit to the atmosphere at the city ground and saying they are the best fans in the country and they are the loudest fans in the country. And that was from minute naught to minute 90 and all of those kind of great accolades. I think most of all, um, aside from Forrest actually managing to stay up, I think that's probably what heartens me the most this season, that um, that togetherness, that unity, that spirit, that match day experience, all of that that saw Forrest through the championship and then through to Wembley last year and that magnificent day at Wembley and all of that has carried through the Premier League and has been noticed by everybody. All of those, all that scrutiny that we were talking about earlier has all picked it up and it's like, wow, Forrest is the place to be. And oh, I'm pleased about that because it has been. It genuinely has been, and it's been an absolute privilege over the last two years, perhaps more than at any time, to to actually be part of it all and and to be able to try and bring it to some of those people at home who can't actually get there. I mean, that's that's mainly been me a lot of the way because I say I'm down south, and it's, uh, <laughs> I say to these guys, or I think so to Aaron on the radio the other day, it's just that like most of the games I I have to see later, much later. So I'm either listening to you, listening back to you guys or things like that. And it's just like, I'm normally watching it on my own, just going like at 10 at night, watching Southampton. I was saying to Lisa, I was shouting at the ref, stop playing football. I didn't want any more extra time. <laughs> just down there, go stop. Like, I'm sure the words as well, but I'm sure you could put in. Yeah. <laughs> we, ain't got, we ain't got loads left. And, and, and I think I'm all sort of conscious of the fact that off of the back of what you've said as well, there's lots of questions about, you know, where Forrest should galvanise, do this, who should maybe go for. But I know that in some ways you'll tell me that that's Steve Cooper's job and yours is yours. I, <laughs> I think I'd be interested to ask you more things like, um, how do you see, what is that phrase? If there's a bear chasing you, just be quicker than one person because then the bear will get them. Yeah. Forrest needs to be quicker than three and we've got yeah. three coming up. Uh, I know there's a full pre-season to go and things like that. How initially, with what you've seen coming up in Luton, Sheffield United and Burnley, um, I know it's a big question, do you see, as it stands right now, with all the squads that are where they are, Forrest doing next year? Um, I see them making progress. I see them... Um, I, I kind of... I'm saying this from a perspective of hoping, but also expecting, really, um, because I think it's time this summer for a far slower build a far more, uh, Steve Cooper used the phrase normal a couple of weeks ago, and and I get that, and a normal summer, if you like, where you're going to see the natural turnover of a squad like you always do. Um, but in terms of numbers, you're looking at, I would think, four, five, half a dozen uh, players coming in at a sort of, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 million pound level. Forest are now at that stage where they can do that. That's how they can now spend their money because they did all the, the groundwork, if you like, last year. So they've now got bodies. They've got a squad that has proved it's good enough to stay in the Premier League. So now you can build on that with the next year's money that you know you're getting from another season in the Premier League. So now it's time to add to what they've got. And I think it's very exciting. I think the likes of um, uh, that young central defender they've got, that Brazilian lad, that Felipe. Um, I'm very excited to see him for another season. Um, but then, Colin, just I didn't mean to ask you too much on these because someone asked me about have all the signings who you thought, but 
Yeah. Felipe really, really did make a hell of a difference, didn't he? Oh, he made a massive difference, a huge difference. And so too did Moussa Kate, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier about the injuries and what a difference it would make if he had a full squad. Throw in Moussa Kate and throw in Moussa Kate for, for an entire season and Forrest are more of a threat because undoubtedly that throw is difficult to defend, especially when he got Felipe at the near post, winning the flick on in the first place and then seeing what happens. So um, they've made a massive difference coming in. Um, I think if I had to choose two, I would look at Felipe halfway through the season, but Danilo not far behind. I mean, what a future he's got. He's one of the reasons it's exciting. Another one is Morgan Gibbs white, who I think has been the signing. Um, and obviously Brennan Johnson with another season of development. I think a one year, again, you, you kind of hope that he's going to have a full season. And if he can, uh, you know, I've got hopes for him next season. I think there's there's some very exciting stuff going on at Forest. Um, all of which, of course, if they'd gone down, would meant much of it would have disappeared with it. And, and they'd have been a long way back again. Um, so that's why it was so important to stay up. And with a steady build this season, and like I say, four or five, 20, 25 million pound players. I think that's the sensible way to go to add that level of quality, you know, four more in various positions, obviously, but four more Morgan Gibbs white quality signings into that squad that should then take the next step. And the next step is to win what three or four more games away from home. And then you're in mid table and then you're not worried about the bottom three. And that's the next step. And that's, so that's where, um, I hope Forrest can get to. It's where I would expect Forrest to get to. And it's where I think at the moment, to go back to your original question of, as it stands at the moment, on the assumption that that's what they might do during the summer, that's where I think they can get to next season. I'm going to just ask Lisa and Holly a quick one and final one for you, Cole, because I know time is sort of short with that. I might kind of just say Gustavo Scarpa just made my new year. I just thought a man who does Rubik's Cubes and skateboards and was at the start when he couldn't play and he kept putting things on Instagram of him being freezing. And at one point he pointed, and I don't speak Portuguese, and he sort of said something like, Sol, as in there's the sun. <laughs> this poor guy who just kept doing this on camera. I thought, I kind of, even if he doesn't play loads, but stays to be around Danilo and God knows what's obviously language and stuff like that. Yeah. I just him, Lottie and, you know, Scarpa. Just... I mean, there's, there's names there that, that I haven't mentioned, but Scarpa could be, could be, be a key element. A fit Scarpa next season could be key as well. You know, there was a lot of excitement. There was more excitement about from from those who've seen them play in Brazil about Scarpa than there was about Danilo coming yeah. to the Premier League. Now he's not really had the chance to show that yet, Scarpa. Whereas Danilo has. If there was more excitement about Scarpa, then you know maybe we've got all that to look forward to as well because we haven't really had a chance to see it yet. I'm going to just uh, not that I've really uh, shed any tears for him because I've never been the biggest fan. I, but I, you know, he's always done a job somewhere. Um, Ibrahimovic has just retired, and we were joking on the phone about getting him out of retirement to be one of our uh, what we call it, uh, Lisa Showbiz signings. So uh, you've had a we had a brief conversation today about Jesse. Obviously, Jesse's gone. Uh, you think it was money spent well, don't you, Lisa? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it, he he is one that definitely divided opinion. I you know when we signed him last summer, he was our. Uh, Mark signing, if you like, and as and whether he was signed for his footballing prowess, whether he was signed to sell shirts and to increase the profile of Forest across the world, um, you know, or whether it, if he was signed for his football, yes, he's a massive failure. That's that's what it was, and, and unfortunately, he got injured. His head wasn't in the right place, and he was when he got injured, he was starting to come into form, and then never really came back from that. Um, 
so on that side of it, yes, okay, I, I am with all the people that said he was a flop and he, he was a waste of money. From, from the other side of it, to be a character in the dressing room who was having mental health issues himself, to be able to pick up other players that were around him, and he seemed to have the best relationship with everybody, despite some, some days not being in the 18. Um, you know, he would be the one that was sat on the, on the touchline in January with his hood up, cheering the team on and you know I, I am one that would I have given him another year if, if he'd have accepted a 50 uh, you know a 50 percent cut in his wages or 100 percent absolutely um and will I miss his face yes I will because I, th I just think he is one that um just makes you feel happy um and yeah good luck to him wherever he ends up I just hope he manages to shine on the football pitch next season and not against us well, I mentioned earlier, didn't I, that team spirit as being one of the one of the key attributes, that togetherness, that unity. And I, I don't think you can underestimate what he did behind the scenes um, at all. I know it didn't go his way on the football pitch, and I know he'd have wanted to make more of a contribution on the football pitch, but um, I don't think you can underestimate that. And the other one I'd stick in that category is Dean Henderson. I think yeah, the, um, as a lone player, the commitment he's shown to the Forest cause by turning up at away grounds on his crutches and whatever it may be, you know, full respect for that. So one, that one, all fine. plays into it. It all what, plays one, into what happened at the end. One of the overriding memories in my head is always going to be when the players are doing their wacker wacker, and Henderson is in the dressing room with his crutches above his head. Um, and and I hope he is the first player that we get over the line in terms of signings in the summer, um, it, like big money signings in the summer. Because I think for for us to to get someone of the, the Henderson caliber, knowing what he was capable of, um, is massive. And and just alluding back to what you said um, before about injuries and everything within our our team, May the eighth, Henderson aside, was the first game for me that we actually had our starting eleven out that we would have wanted to see May, which was ridiculous. Every club says it, but we uh, again. I had this conversation with Natalie. She's going. Rhys James is out. Chilwell's out, we're battered, Kant is out, whoever. And I went, have you seen ours? There's a website you go to online that gives you every injury. And I was like, I just went, oh my God, actually. And yeah. it's just a percentage. It's 14 off. at one point. Because if you take, you know, well, it's actually Chris Woods. I think it's when um, Callum Wilson was playing with Newcastle and you've got Chris Woods on the bench and you've seen the quality. Forrest just couldn't deal with what that was. But to lose those players, and like Lisa said, it took them so long to get that that team's together. And you imagine for the manager as well going, who am I bloody playing? Because <laughs> who's fit versus like, who are you? Sorry, I know you've been signed. And um, I just want to throw one to you, Holly, really quickly. So overall as a season, obviously last year, like Colin said, he thinks there's more of a definitely achievement with this one. Did you enjoy this season more than last season? Oh, like it's I said, hard, isn't it? It's like two kids <laughs> in a different way. I think the highs were higher. I mean, beating Liverpool at home just never in my wildest dreams did I think that I'd be witnessing that. Um, but it was tough. It was really, really tough. And um, it was just that feeling of all the euphoria of Wembley and then the thought of just going straight back down after 23 years. It was just like, surely not. You know, it would just be such an absolute travesty. And how am I going to feel? And what's it going to be like? I mean... I remember one of the most emotive things I remember watching before really got me, Colin, was um, the thing you said on the Chippers podcast that if Forest go up, it will change the face of the club forever. Um, and it's absolutely true, isn't it? Like 
we don't want championship football anymore. We've got a taste for Premier League. We want to be there. We want to be with the big boys. We want to be a global brand. You know, we want to be there. We want to be part of it. And I haven't watched the championship this season at all, apart from the, you know, the playoff um, finals, the playoff semis. Um, but just quickly, this was something I wanted to ask you, actually, Colin, was is there anything particular that sort of reinforces that point um, that you've, you've sort of kind of observed or witnessed this season that it has changed? Because we all know that immediately we had to change, the infrastructure had to change. You know, we were a Premier League club. We needed to be ready for the Premier League very, very quickly. But is there, is there kind of one thing you've seen that, yes, because we've always been known as a sleeping giant as well, haven't we? And I think... Potential, I think the potential now is huge. And we laugh about, oh, you know, Europe next and all that kind of thing. But why not, you know, but and not to go off on a tangent. But is there like, you know, one particular thing that you think, yes, you know, um, it has changed? One particular thing, um, I think what I would say to to emphasise your point about the, the highs have been very high, but it has been tough. The lows have been tough. I think the fact that the lows have been so tough and it has been so tough is what makes it such a good achievement to actually stay up I, I think that's um I kind of go it, it sort of echoes a little bit what Steve Cooper's been talking about this season about how he wants to be the best manager he can be in difficult circumstances and that he never last season he, th there was no Veron opportunity to show that if you like because it was just up 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 would just beat everybody and, and then end up getting promoted um whereas this season there's been because it's been such hard work I think that's what makes the achievement so much, well, not so much greater, a bit greater than, than last season. There's not a lot to choose from them, I don't think. I think they're both miraculous in their own uh, respects. But I think, um, I don't know if this is going to sound twee. I hope it doesn't. I think that the one thing that makes me think, you use the phrase sleeping giant, mm. and you're absolutely right. That's what people have called Forrest for a long time. The giant's woken up. And it's woken up with the crowd's roar. And that, I think, is the thing that, yes, it was there last season to an extent. It was there last season to an extent. But this season, it's been there in hard times. And it's it's really made a difference. It's made a massive impact because that showed how much being in that Premier League meant to so many people. Um, and. I think as much as anything, it's that that's going to be my abiding memory of this season. And it's that which has separated Forrest out from the other strugglers. It's that which has helped in a way to get them over the line as well. Um, and I think it's that which shows more than anything else to the world that Forrest has woken up. Absolutely. I want to put a bow around it really quickly. So I want a one-word answer if you can, Holly. If I say to you, 22-23... What is the sentence or the game that just the one thing that we always remember when you look back on? What would it be? <sighs> That's your answer. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of something serious that doesn't involve saying whacka whacka. Um, that's it. No, that's it. That's it now. That's it. It kind of works in a way because it's it's an accumulation of, of where the fans always stay with it. Lisa, what's your uh, looking back on 22 23, what you're wrapping it up with? That it took us nine minutes against Crystal Palace to realise that we'd not sung Mullough of Kintyre because of Waka Waka. Wow. <laughs> Colin, you got anything that isn't Waka Waka? Yours is just uh, like yes, I've got one that isn't Waka Waka. When I think back 
to 22, 23, the thing that I'm going to be that I'm going to remember, apart from the crowd, and I've talked enough about that. The thing that I'm going to remember, which exemplifies 22, 23 to me, is Morgan Gibbs White backflip layoff for Danilo's fourth goal against Southampton. Yeah, it's clever because it sums up everything. The quality of player. Yeah, exactly. You don't even. If you don't know, you don't know. Um, <laughs> listen, thank you for everyone who's listened this season. Uh, we'll be back as football always is uh, for what we. Tw- I can't believe I'm about to watch the season 23, 24. That feels like Dixie Dean should be bloody playing. <laughs> you know, when you were 90s and 80s. Remember the 23, 24 season, Mr. Chumney Warren? It's all like that. Um, Lisa, Holly, Kieran, Steve, Dan, everyone who's been involved this year. Um, thank you so much, especially for. Uh, filling in for me while I've been off trying to be an actor. Um, again, Colin, thank you very much. We should uh, we should do this every season and just see how we're all looking if we've all got great <laughs> and uh, how things are. But um, again, thank you for being the intro to our uh, pod every single time. We always hear you. We'll have to get you to do anyone that says still the Premier League football. Uh, but thank you very much for your time, mate. And also thank you for being the, you know, it's what you do and it's what you love doing, but it really does mean a lot, especially for someone in exile like me uh, hearing all that and send our regards to Steve Hodges' larynx and Steve Sutton's knees, if you would. Indeed. Thank you. Everyone, see you later. See you after the summer and uh, you Reds. Hey!